everybody. Welcome to Jesse's Tea House. Very happy to be here today with Simon's. Whoa! Hey guys, how's it going, man? Uh, so basically what we're going to be doing is we're going to be drinking some tea and talking about uh, Simon's experience being an actor in both China and the United States. Uh, so we have, uh, it's going to be a fun conversation with uh, not only somebody who speaks both languages, but also somebody that lived in my city in Beijing for many, many years. Yeah. Uh, the old, the, the, the sort of like the old Beijing crowd are always people I love hanging out with. Oh yeah, it's so fun. Uh, so very cool. So you are Taiwanese American, is that right? Uh, yeah, I was born in tai Taipei, Taiwan, and, um, but I, I was raised everywhere. Okay, so you're like, everywhere. you are a global person. Global, yeah. Global, global, global. So the um, so I was trying to think of what uh, tea I would uh, make for you to begin the the conversation. I asked him behind the scenes. I was like, anything you personally drink? And I was like, oh, we got a tea person. He's like, oh, I'd like some uh, high mountain uh, oolong tea. And I'm like, oh, actually, I have that. I got I got some Ali Shan, Ali Shan, oolong cha. So this will be a Ali Shan oolong cha is the best. Yeah, and you'll notice it's like the bag looks a little janky because it's because it's almost empty because I drink it all. <laughs> Usually it comes in little pebbles, right? Yep, there we go. There we, we go, just like that, guys. Leaves. Like, as you guys can see, it comes in little pebbles oh, like that. Oh, it is good. We got the, we got the whole, whole tea display. You guys can check it out, boom. So the, um, the, the, the especially the, pebbles. the uh, uh, Taiwanese friends of mine, a lot of them, this is like the stuff that they grew up drinking. Oh, yeah. So they're, the, more, they're, more, they're more pricey, but they're really good, mm -hmm. though. It's worth it. It's pungent. It's, it's a strong flavor. Oh, we got tea people on even better. I was thinking when I was like uh, thinking of who to invite on the show, I was like, I definitely want to be inviting on people who are, you know, kind of making stuff between the cultures, but even better if they're already tea people. Yeah. So fantastic. So um, uh, basically... Uh, could you give everybody a little bit of a rundown who you are, what you've been up to, and um, sort of, uh, you know, your space between the, the U.S. and China right now? Yeah, so um, for those of you who don't know, and um, just add on, mm -hmm. I actually hosted five food shows before. Oh, yeah? Oh, you yeah. Yeah, you're a food show guy. Yeah. Dude, I didn't even know. What was, what was it like hosting food shows? Did it, was, it make you hungry? Um, you know what? <laughs> it makes the audience hungry, but... The person who's hosting, oftentimes you have to eat a lot. Oh. So we always have a spit bucket, for those of you who don't know. Mm. It's delicious food and you're spitting it. It's kind of like, oh, but it's, you have to. If you're eating like seven meals a day, eight oh, yeah. meals a day. Well, you can't actually eat it. You can't. So and, it's like a weird exercise and like, am I enjoying this or no? <laughs> I'm always going to enjoy it. Like yeah. I, I'm a, such a foodie. I'm always going to enjoy it, but you just have to pace yourself. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, seven meals. Yep. Let's say every core, every meal has a 13 course, yep. 20 course. Oh, God. Like, just imagine that. Like, you can't finish the plate, obviously, yeah. right? So, exactly. um, but it's, it's fun. So, like, I love learning about tea. I love learning about cultures and mm -hmm. um, foods. And uh, thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, this is the, um, this is the Ali Shan High Mountain Oolong. Mm. Uh, give it a little bit of a wash steep, get it opened up. Mm. Um, nice. The, uh, the, uh, the, the Ali Shan is um, nice. The smell is not quite out there yet, but it'll be out here in the second steep. The, um, yeah, oolongs are uh, kind of like a fun thing. I feel like because of boba, actually, more and more people in America know what oolong is. <laughs> it's like, who would have guessed it would be boba that brought, like, really good tea culture to the States? But that people see, like, oolong on the list of, like, uh, that you can get in boba shops. And then they're like, oh, I've seen that before. That's what you're, that's what you're doing. I'm like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, have you been to the original boba store in the world? The original boba store? Yeah. Where's the original boba store? It's a Tai Joan. Um, yeah. Taiwan. It's in the middle of Taiwan, and yeah. it's called Chun Shui Tang. 
Yeah, so I was doing a food show and I That's like a very high level name for a boba place. Oh, it's like Twinshui Tang. That would be spring uh the the spring water uh like um like a villa, I guess you would say the tang. Like a tang, like a like a pavilion, maybe. Yeah, or like a temple or so yeah, so Twinshui Tang, for example, um that place you have to visit, by the way, since you do this. Give it a try. You have to visit. Okay, so they actually use very high quality tea. See, this is this is like the the like the thing I have been trying to unravel because a lot of people are like, oh, can I use your tea for boba? And I'm like, you can, but like if you have better quality tea, you're gonna lose a lot of like, um, you know, you're gonna lose a lot of that specialness when you dump tons of milk and sugar on it. Of course. Um, so I'd be very curious. I should make like a pilgrimage <laughs> to see how you they have do to it. Check it out. Yeah. It's actually not a bad idea at all. Cheers. Cheers. Here we go. Pong. Here we go. One day. Ching Ching Lahaim. Yeah, yeah. Ching Ching Lahaim. I like it. <laughs> mm, very nice. Slowly enjoy this. That was good. So the. Um, ah, smells like home. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what kind of smell memory do you get from the, from the high mountain along? You know, honestly, it's not the most pretty image, but it's reminiscence of my childhood mm. when I was climbing the mountain. It's a little dirt, you know, because the dirt roads, yeah. that's where you find the real good tea. Yeah. Like, it's not usually like touristy paved roads, right? Mm -hmm. You go on the mountain, and one of the shows I was doing, we actually got up around like 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. Okay. Just to visit those. Um, get up to the, there before the sun. Yeah. Or like, you know, those older, or yeah. older ladies. Yeah. And they're like grand, 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 grandma kind of levels, like 70, 80 years old. They get on the mountain early on when the morning dew is still there. Mm. Pluck the leaves. Get the leaves. Get the fresh stuff. Like yeah. it's just, and obviously they have to still dry and press this and stuff. Yeah. But still, when you get the the real good stuff in the mountains, yeah. that's what it reminds me yeah. of. And for the tea people, the one way you can try to check whether your tea is um. Here, cheers. Cheers. Oh, oh you're almost out. One way you can check to see whether your tea was hand picked or not, if it was uh, machine picked, you'll wind up with a lot of like broken, chopped up leaves and uh, twigs. Uh, because the machines come through, and it's and it's like there's definitely a place in the world for the machine you process stuff. You got twigs once before. Yeah, oh yeah, you get twigs. That's but horrible, dude. Like you have no <laughs> idea what I've seen in the American tea world. Because I was a tea guy. I only got into tea when I was in China. Right. And in China, right. you're not gonna find like twigs in your tea. And no, stuff never. Like um, but like here, you got like scammed. it's like it's crazy, man. I mean, this is part of the reason why you know. Don't get me on a tea bag rant, or else I'll have invited a guest on <laughs> just rant about tea bags forever. Um, but like that's part of the reason why all this stuff gets ground up in the American tea bags is because they know that they're processing it by machine. They know that they're not getting good tea quality, that's and fine. so they're like, oh, but if it's powderized, you can't tell anyway. So. Anyway, I want to get into talking about um, the creative stuff because mm. as much as I, I love talking about tea, um, you know, I talk a lot into the camera about tea and I, I love spending time with other people that are creating across the cultures, dealing with these uh, interesting uh, cultural areas. Um, well, I guess the first question is, um, what made you feel like you wanted to be like a bilingual actor or performer? Well, I kind of grew, in, grew into it. So uh, I, I grew up going to... I, was, I went to 18 different countries when I was 17. Oh my gosh. 29 different schools growing up. Wow. Oh, by the way, so this is what I figured. So I'm like Taiwanese, yeah. Chinese, yeah. Uh, uh, Korean, Japanese, and a little bit of Dutch. A little Dutch? Yeah. Oh, wow. Like, how did, how, do you have any idea which of your like ancestors? Like, I think it's my know? dad's side because we were looking at our um, ancestry, not, not just the tree, but also the, the picture. Yeah. But like the black and white. 
but it's like you know the Dutch were in uh, Taiwan that's right. like a long time ago. That's so right. that might be a little bit of Dutch, just four hundred years. Yeah, ago. yeah, it's a little bit. But, but we do have some family people who are Dutch in, in those photos, in those black and white photos. Oh, okay. And then we're like, I was like, who are these people who are black and white photos? They look white. Yeah. Here's a, here's a question. What was the term for Lawai four hundred years ago? <laughs> like, what did they call they call them Lawai? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so you found so you have so a little bit of mix Actually, of everywhere. Oh, you do know? Oh, dude, I was I was making a joke. What did they call them? I think it's like a, like. White ghost. Because they're that, so pale. That was always my, my joke is like, you know, the um the uh the uh like you know in, in uh Thanksgiving or not Thanksgiving in Halloween in China I never had to get a costume because I'm always a bagwe. <laughs> I'm always the white ghost. Oh man, thank you. Cheers. And do you guys know what this means? We knock Oh yeah, so check in, tell them what the uh, tap on the table means. So um this is it means thank you. So when someone pours teas for you, you just go like this. Yep. And do you know why? You give them a tell why. Okay, so um, apparently um, in the last emperor, right? He's young. He's mm. very, very young. He loves to sneak out of the uh, Forbidden City. Mm. However, obviously he's not allowed because mm. you can't lose the emperor, mm. right? So so he would have his uh, concubine, like, not concubine, sorry, uh, one of his servants, mm. the the constructive servants, you know, mm. the one that like Yeah, yeah. And, and he um, would come out, sneak out with him. But one day... To stay in disguise, the emperor actually poured the tea for his servant. Mm. The servant, that's not and okay for his that servant. That is not, not okay. okay. Not Servants okay. can't even look at the emperor in the eye at the time, mm. right? If you look in the eye, you get, you get beheaded. So if the emperor did something for you, he didn't know what to do. He had to get on his knees. But he can't get on his knees because, yeah. you know, it's going to blow the, blow the cover. Blow the cover, exactly. So... So that's why he was trying to get on his knees by his hands. So he was like, so the sort of the sort of bending, bending the finger, uh, pretending to kowtow before the emperor uh, as a thanks, and that kind of came down to the modern day. Yeah. So yeah, very cool. Cheers. I love. So I love the. This is kind of the cool thing about growing up, I guess, around the world is you've kind of accumulated a lot of like different places and stories and. It all comes together. Do you feel like that helps you be a better actor just in general? Oh, 100%. Like, acting is all about incorporating or understanding someone's culture mm. and empathy. So if you don't understand its culture, there's no way. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, I love the word to use empathy because that was always the biggest challenge for me. I felt as a white actor in China was there were only so many roles. And it's, you know, this is a challenge a lot of people have. And, and again, you're one person. You can't play everybody in the movie. So you don't need to be everybody. But it oftentimes felt like the, the white roles were, I mean, obviously there are no white writers there. So there were very few foreigners that were putting their own story into the script. And so as a result, you had Chinese writers who like need to have a Westerner in a scene for a very specific tool. It almost felt like I was a hammer. I was like, I'm useful for this scene for that. And I, yeah, Welcome right, to the club in America. I know, huh? right? And so this is the thing is I feel so much I feel so much empathy for the Asian performers now um, who are like uh, trying to figure out like how do you work into that thing? And for me, the solution was writing and producing. And so the idea that like you might wait, you might wait 50 years for right. somebody to write that role that you really like. Um, or you can be, I don't have to say you make the whole movie yourself, but you can be a part of making the movie and not just the the end actor. Did you uh, did you find any sort of thing like that 
um, either here in the States or being sort of like a international Chinese acting in China? Yeah, well, so it was really funny. So when I was working in Taiwan and also China, um, I also did a little bit of Japan, North mm. Korea, and um, Hong Kong. But, uh, but it was really interesting because we were the majority, like you said. Yeah. So most of the writing, I was able to incorporate myself. Yeah. But I was also very lucky because I was bicultural and bilingual. Mm. So I was able to help them with some of the script uh, mm. implementation. Yeah, that's a big, and that's a big thing. That was one thing that I realized when I started looking into the scripts for the foreign actors in China. It's not like they're intentionally writing bad scripts. It's like there are so many things that go on to making a movie and like the legitimateness or the empathy towards the one foreigner character in the movie is always like the 300th most important thing going on. And so like it just never gets around. But I found that like, hey, if I was on set and I could give a better line, they would oftentimes take it. And obviously it's easier to do that in the script form than waiting until the day everything is crazy and then doing that. But like, how do you feel like you, like, can you give an example of a time when you felt like you were able to help a cultural problem on set in Asia by being intercultural? A hundred percent. So one of the sh uh, co-productions I did was, was called Magic 7. Mm. Uh, it was actually invested by um, the company owned by, uh, do you know Andy Lau? Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah, so it was by uh, Andy Lau. It was, it was some great casts, mm. great casts. Uh, my friend, Xu uh, Jingjing, uh, mm. uh, she was uh, the second female lead in Wandering Earth. Mm. Um, and then Jiang Wenli Lao Shi. She was a great, great, great teacher and uh, actress. Um, yeah, a little ahead of our time. Mm. But she's like amazing. She won like Jinji Bai Hua. All the Golden Awards in yeah. China. Yeah, really. so all, all the big awards. All the big awards. She's got all of them. And she's amazing. Not just an actor, but a teacher and a person. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it was, I was very fortunate to be on these sets. But for example, that co-production set, it was awesome because the scripts were written in English, Chinese, and French. So they, oh wow. So they, did they have a full script in each language? Yes. Oh and, wow. And for me, I didn't read French, but I, you know, I had spoken in a couple of movies before that already. Yeah. So, um, so I got a chance to read both the Chinese script and the English script. Mm. And when I did that, obviously, here's the thing with co-productions. Most yeah. co-production writers and stuff, like they're not, they're barely bilingual. Yeah. They're not bicultural mostly. Yeah. A lot of this is, it's almost, it almost seems like fate. It's like, you look at some of these things and you're like, why are these people on that project? And yet it, that's who we got. So we're going with, we're going with that. They knew the right people to bring everything together. Um, but yeah, the uh, having different scripts, you would definitely, I, I have had that exact uh, situation too, looking through scripts and seeing like, oh, I know what you're trying to do, especially with the comedy. They're like, I know you're trying to do that joke and it's not gonna work in that language in the way that you're doing it. Um, but if it's not like the concept is, is bonkers. It's just like, you got to reword it. You got to move this over here, like yeah. basic comedy technique. But, um, what was the example? So you were on that movie and what was the example of a time you felt like you were able to help out culturally? So it was awesome because like, um, most production as you, as you experience co-productions, yeah. there's the, um, one local production and one mm. that U S production or mm -hmm. European production. And, um, Oftentimes they barely can communicate. Like mm. they communicate the best they can yeah. over the time, and they're doing good. It's just yeah. that, but a lot of subtleties. Yeah, you know the implementations and implications. So for me as an actor, I actually did the homework reading both scripts. And sometimes, like when you're building a, a movie, like a, a story, you go set up, set up, punch. Yeah. But sometimes in, in different languages, set up, set up, set up, punch. 
you know. Yeah. So, Sanfan Sido in in Xiangsheng. So I I study yeah. the traditional Chinese Xiangsheng comedy. Mm-hmm. In the in West, we have the rule of three: set up, set up, punch. Mm-hmm. In Chinese, it was actually Sanfan Sido, three sets, fourth dou. The fourth is the the, is the, the, the fine, the, which is yeah. a, the opposite. Yeah, of sort of, yeah. So the um, so it's it, but at the same time, I don't know whether you felt this. I felt like the pacing was actually relatively similar, but you need to, but because you have three to get through in the Chinese one, it goes faster. So in, in America, I might be like, what? A what? And a what? Um, whereas in China, it'd be like, a what? A what? A what? And a what? Yeah. It would be like, so the, you kind of get to the punch at a similar time, but how you do that setup changes whether the audience is going to be comfortable with what comes out at the end. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 very subtle and it's very specific mm-hmm. to every every um, um, every script script or scenario situation yeah. that we call it. So um, it's 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 quite interesting, but it's not just that pinpoint of the joke punchline or the joke itself, but it's mm. also the development of the storyline. Yeah. So that's where it gets tricky. Like, if, for example, a person's um, second conflict yeah. should be on uh, scene thirteen yeah. in the U.S. script, but the Chinese script might be. You need to set it up on the twenty sixth scene. Uh oh. So, so that's now a big... there's a conflict of the same scene. Can you co- and can you solve that by editing, or is it a like unresolvable problem? Here's the thing. It's um, it's it's resolved. Nothing's unresolvable if you can communicate. Yeah. So you, it's really as an actor, you don't have the whole full control. But if as a professional actor, you can try your best to communicate with the production uh, director first. If he, he's, he's open-minded and he likes to hear you out or mm-hmm. communicate yeah. with us, that's the best. And you're yeah. like, thank you. Thank and then you. If, if so, then maybe you can also communicate with the producers. And if everyone's aligned or the scriptwriter, and then then you have a better shot at it. So mm. for example, in this, this film, um, I actually haven't seen it yet, but I did my best. It was really awesome because I did communicate with the director and the producer. And I remember the producers I mean, and the director gave me really good notes. It was like, yeah. Simon... Thank you so much for doing your homework. Oh, that's like, great. It's I, always nice to be appreciated, <laughs> even if like, you know, even if like it's, it's because some directors are not like that, you yeah, know, like some directors are like, you know, they're like, do this, do this, do this. You know, they, especially as a comedian, I was always involved with the writing part. And like, I don't know why in China, but the writers are like all the way down at the bottom. Like, you know, it feels like the writers never got any, any love. Um, once they delivered the script, the director would do his thing and then they say, go to the writers and say, now change it. <laughs> And then wait to get back, but um, uh, but it's good the directors were 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 open to that. Yeah, well, he's a French director. He's a director who did a, a lot of series in um, oh, France. He was Lubisson's partner. Oh, nice. Uh, his name is Garak Kraski. Nice. Uh, he did Taxi series. Nice. With um, or like Wasabi. Oh, nice. A movie, um, and it was it was it was awesome. He was a he was a great director. He was a, a great time working with him, but. The, the, it was, I'll never forget. Yeah. That guy was so awesome. He was like, when I got on set the first day, mm. first day in Shanghai, and like, as I got to this, uh, it was uh, the White Han. Yeah, yeah, the, and, the bun. The bun, yeah. and so, um, and then I got a applause, and I was like, oh, there's something coming. Like, yeah, yeah. When, when I, <laughs> I just got on set, I was like, it's not my set. You always go on a set ahead of, yeah, before yeah. your sh- shot, right? Yeah. So I'm looking around, trying to like, absorb the tone and like the, yeah. the cadence of this production. And then, so I was looking around for the applause. I was like, and then, and then they were applauding for me. They're like, oh, Simon, oh yeah, you're we here. <laughs> went everywhere for this Chen Bing role. Oh. And you really 
Nailed oh, it. That's so great. I know. So, I, but that sort of, and that gives you the confidence that you can actually like perform to your best. Oh yeah. Right. And he was so cool. He was just like, so I mean, you know the script so well because I did my homework. I did yeah. a whole month. It wasn't covered by production, but I did my whole month and a half of uh, research mm. for the role. So I literally lay on, it was, a, it was a film about soccer. So I, I laid on the soccer and went to the local places to play, pick up game with people. Nice. I did everything a month and a half, which is the U.S. training, you know, the Meisner technique, the, yep. you know, really this, you know, some, some sensory techniques, um, you know, really just method acting, really. Mm. So, um, so it was so nice. After that, I remember that after that they shot that scene, yep. we had a conversation with the writer, and he was like, Simon, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the liberty, mm. change whatever you want, as long as the writer yeah. and you guys agree. Go ahead. That's good. I was like, whoa. Like in America, you like, never get that. No, you wouldn't. And, and it also, but for a multicultural thing, it's so important because the it's one thing to like try something difficult culturally and have it not work, but you gave it your best shot. Yeah. It's another to like, no, it's not going to work, people. Like it's on the paper. Like it's like, I like, you know, especially for comedy, you have this really big, like, did they laugh? Did they not laugh? Like the, it's a little bit easier to tell whether it's working because you can feel it right in the room immediately. And if it's not working, it's like, you know, the worst feeling is like, like crashing a train into a wall, but then because you're making a video, you crash it again and again and again. And like normally in a comedy show, like, you know, comedy's hard, you, you change the line. But if you're not allowed to change a line or you're not allowed to change the basic things to make it work, then it gets like unbearable. Um, so it's, 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 it's it had some bad experiences, but the, um, but it sounds like I, I, going back to the, the, the bilingual multicultural part of this, do you feel like when you play, um, let's say you play a character that only speaks one language, yeah. right? Do you feel like you're now kind of fighting with one hand behind your back in terms of prepping that character no. and you don't feel that way at all? Why not? Well, because I grew up. Everywhere. And I actually took Chinese classes for eight and a half years for three hours a day. Oh, wow. Privately. You're like Chinese school sort of. Yeah, um, like my Chinese private tutor. Oh, yeah. They, 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 your parents are like, you be sure they say it. Well, I did some of that when I was a kid, but like as an adult, that's what I did. Like, oh, yeah. Beijing. Oh, oh, so that's why you're in Beijing for language. Part. So it was similar then. We both went with the like, language programs. And yeah. The well, intensive programs. I had a fan who was yeah. awesome. She had a Chinese school. So she would literally teach me three hours a day. Oh, that's great. Privately, so it was one-on-one? Awesome. Yeah, one-on-one. That's the and way to learn. It was so great. We learned like, uh, oh, you nice. know, and like, yeah. or like, Qingmingchao, yeah, like, you know, yeah. whatever. And then oh, like, so like, it's more specific topics. Oh, yeah. yeah, better, because that's also part of the challenge a lot of people learn in Chinese, and then all the, all the things are like, 你好,请问怎么点菜? And it's like, <laughs> that's fine, but it's also like, if you're intellectually engaged with it, um, you oftentimes can learn way more than if you're just like kind of getting through the basics. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and what's really funny, fun, it's just like, just like the United States, there's a lot of states mm. and a lot of different cultures within yeah. the, uh, the country. China's the same thing. And yeah. so, um, for example, like, Northeastern Chinese, right? Beijing. Beijing is like, I'm 
然后这个我们就缺一点北冰洋菊花茶。对对，北冰洗对对。哎，那那我白酒，来白酒，来来来来，哎哎，干了干了干了干了干了，哎呦呦呦，哎呦，哎呦，不不不不，不是哎呀，嗯。That's the thing is I found is like I've been I miss Beijing so much. I lived there nine years, and it's like you give me half a moment to go back into the whole Beijing mode, and I'm like, bam, I'm there. I'm there. Yeah, it's fine. I still feel well. And so this is another question, maybe a little bit more of a personal question, but like for me, I lived in China many years. I moved there right after college, so I was kind of a creative. Professional. My whole career was there up until the pandemic, yeah. and um, now I'm in Hollywood. Yeah. So it's like, on one hand, I feel like, wow, I'm like not a Hollywood person in that sense. But on the other hand, it's like I like the same things they like. I like shooting stuff. I like making things. I like recording videos. I like、yeah. you know throwing it together. Like, what was one thing that you learned as somebody that floated between the two creative worlds? That kind of like gives you a little bit of an anchor of how to be you in both places at the same time. So, well, I think I was really so. It's a it's a blessing and a curse、yeah. of the way I was raised. Because、mm. um, my family's like very busy, so、mm. I kind of grew up myself with my grandparents and my family.、Mm. You got to be independent right away. Yeah, very early stage, and I had to immerse myself in different languages.、Mm. So one thing I learned early on is. To appreciate the people that helped you,、mm. and、uh, which is you know, and、um, how to blend and how to understand people fast, the short amount of time for survival purposes.、Yeah. So,、um, so that really got me to understand people's psyche and empathize、mm. at a deeper level. And I think because I have, I didn't have the ego of like, oh, you know, my culture is the best,、mm. you know. So it really got me to、um, immerse myself faster. It, it really is such a Uh, uh, like the, such a great gift of not having the blinders on of like because I learned everything growing up this way it must be better and then having to slowly break down that mentality over many years like、yeah. when I lived in China there were like like I think when I first got there I had the idea that like oh yeah well things are in it's a different country things are going to be different right but I think in the back of my head. Uh, it was like, well, I'm sure some things will be better than America, but I think in the back of my head, I was like, but most things probably will be better where I was from. <laughs> and and I don't think I really thought that、uh, proactively. I think that it was it was more ingrained. I didn't I didn't feel like it would be fifty fifty. I don't know how to say it. But then the more you live in other places, I feel like the more I'm like. You know, you just have no idea when you go to a place like whether your home was doing it better or their home was doing it better. Also,、right. define better, better for who? Yeah. So, like, once you start breaking all that down and again looking at it with empathy, you're like, wow, there are many, many ways to live.、Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think the challenging part for me in coming back here has been, okay, now that I have broken down those things and I'm more open myself, I get back to the states and nobody else has done that. It's just just the people that lived abroad, yeah. And so I have to be、um, like, you know, I don't I don't know exactly what this like. You know, I go into、um, like English stand up shows,、uh-huh. and I joke on this, but like the guy's like, "How should I introduce you?" And I'm like, "Oh, tell them that I was on Juan Luis Guerin and、yeah. you know whatever Bali Hotel Show." He's like, "Next guy's really funny." <laughs> Next guy's really funny.、Uh, you know, like, but I'm like, and then the joke here is that like, it almost feels like.、That's、funny. It's like behind behind that joke, it almost feels like,、um, oh, but my shows aren't as good because they happen in China. But then, but then I flipped around. I'm like, 
who the hell, like, why is it like, you know, Huan Le Xi Jiren is a big show in China. Bali Ho Tuo Show is like the seminal Chinese stand-up comedy show. Somebody else was on some random something on a third-tier TV. Like, why shouldn't my credit stack up against their credit? But the people here are never going to give that to you. Yeah. You know? It's, it's, it's hard. I mean, there are definitely exceptions, but you're right, like, the yeah. majority. That's how I felt, too, after coming back. Like, um, you know, there, um, I don't have that many followers. Like, I'm just yeah. a little over a million um, mm. on Weibo, but, and I never post anything. But, like, yeah. but... I remember the show. I don't know yeah. if you watched any of those. Which one? The, uh, there's something called a perfect dating. Mm. Oh, it's just uh, the one of the Italian Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fei Zhong Wuo. Oh, It's like yeah. a Fei World clone or the. Yeah, uh, kind of, but it's like so. It's the opposite. It's so a dating show. Fei It's about all about females. Oh, okay. Fei is all about males. Oh, so they have so they have one woman and 25, 24 men or whatever, and then they're trying to date the, so the girl. So it's kind or? of, but it's like but it's. The way it's done in the production, Valley was phenomenal. Mm. They have 29 different cameras. Wow. And, and it's all taped. It's not like we're switching at the board. They're yeah. all taped. Oh, wow. And so, and then they, um, so I was, for example, I was at a show yeah. and for like a year plus and um, we had to sing, mm. we have to like judge things, we have to do nonprofit stuff. It was awesome. Like I learned a lot about Chinese culture on, on yeah. that one, but that thing like blew up. It broke the TV ratings of China wow. at the time. And, um, I was told, and and um, it was because it was so big in Asia that they they made versions in, for Indonesia. Oh wow! So for example, so it's, like it started spreading the, the original Chinese shows spreading now oh, yeah. outside over throughout Asia. In Indonesia, Japan, Taiwan, well, like Taiwan. When I was visiting, there was actually mm. four TV different shows, uh, TV channels airing at the same time. Hey there, I'm from one of those online mattress companies. Apparently, people who listen to podcasts have an insatiable desire for mattresses, like can't get enough fairy tale shit or something like that. The problem with most mattresses, though, is they make lousy tea. Just ask this guy who's not a paid shill. Well, I, I tried drinking my mattress, and it was pretty bad. I mean, first, I just put my lips on it and started sucking, but that didn't really work. Uh, then I poured hot water on it, but uh, that just made it wet and hot. Also, my girlfriend was like, it's 4 a.m., what are you doing? <laughs> She's always like that. <laughs> the problem would be solved if instead of a mattress, you were drinking Jesse's Tea House teas. Jesse gets teas straight from small tea shops and tea farmers in China and puts them into his subscription service. Just use the code JESSEPOD for $10 off your first order of $30 and stop trying to drink your mattress. Yeah, so, so the show's going to Indonesia. Um, it's going all over the place. And, um, so how does that really, um, like, you know, and then when you come back to the States, you, this big hit show is going all over Asia. And when you come back to the States, what is the response? Gosh. So the funny thing is while everything was happening before, um, I actually was approached by a few CAA people mm. and I was like, oh wow. And CAA for oh, people sorry, who don't C know. CAA is a creative artist uh, agency. Yep. It's big it's agency in Hollywood. Big agency. I think Tom. Hanks and all those people are with yeah. CA. Tom Hanks is doing doing good. Yeah, yeah, he, he's, he's 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 all right. He's doing good. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah, yeah so Tom him. Hanks. So anyway, so the agency people come and talk to you. What do they say? Yeah, they, they were like, oh, cool, you know, like, but that was when the economy was great and mm. we didn't have the trade war. But after coming back, it's like, like you said, uh, not everyone actually values the credit there. Yeah. Even some people I've talked to, I don't want to name any names. Yeah. Were like, so all of those things in Chinese, mm. huh? Mm. So. You know, that's like student films. Yeah. Or like, people, like, I was like, wait, that's not, that's like a $50 million project or a yeah. $100 million project. Like, like, well, it's just, well, this is the thing is like coming back to the States, like to have to deal with, uh, for lack of a better term, just ignorance of what's going on in Asia. It's like, 
you know, to some degree, when I was in Asia, like I can't show up in Asia and be like, why don't you know everything about American film and comedy history? That would make no sense. Yeah. But also at the same time, so I, I feel like I can't expect any more of the Americans coming back here, but it doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it. So how do you deal with the that sort of like belittling attitude towards the work that, that you did in Asia or, or how much of it is actually there and how much of it is maybe you picking up a belittling feeling when actually none is intended? So um, <laughs> I, I'm. I'm as a professional actor, we yeah. learn about empathy. We really try to understand the psyche behind everything and have a really a specific statement or mm -hmm. purpose mm -hmm. for everything we say and hear. Yeah. And so um, breaking it down, um, I feel like I met a lot of bad people when I first came back mm -hmm. in terms of, like you said, is more close-minded. And that's yeah. why there's a natural instincts to click with third culture kids yeah. or people yeah, who are in people international backgrounds. But because we think more alike and we're more like open to like, oh, let's change. Yeah. Let's be agile. But at the same time, um, I'm sure these, there are exceptions out there. But honestly, I just wish that people can go out a little bit more. Yeah. You know, travel a little more, see different cultures. Like, yes, there are projects that in Asia that weren't as good. Yeah. But there are also amazing also good talents. Stuff. And this is, so kind, amazing talent. this is kind of in some way what the tea has been good for is because... You know, Americans don't know very much about Chinese tea, but then you just show like even just the basic thing of seeing the table and seeing the leaves and seeing the color of the tea and how it's done from the pitcher to the filter to the cup and all this sort of things. Like it, it makes people realize, like, oh, maybe if there's a lot to tea that uh, of course it was developed in China. Of course, in Asia, they're doing great stuff with tea. Maybe there's also other stuff they're doing great stuff with. Yeah. And it's just you don't see it because yeah. it's not showing up in front of you. And you know what's for funny? Like, it's for people like us that we travel so much between. Mm. Like, I've literally filled out passports before. Yeah, I, <laughs> you know? I had that once. <laughs> I, I met a, a guy who worked for uh, CBS News. I, he posted a picture on his Facebook. He has 12 passports. He's filled up 11 passports. That's he, so funny. He's like, fly all around Asia doing the news. But yeah, but um, yeah, so fill up passports, you know. But we're not the normal people. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I definitely felt when I came back, it's like, well, you know, I, I'm very grateful for my time abroad, but I can't expect that sort of thinking from everybody Everyone, here no, in the States. No and yet, um, you know, it's almost like you don't need it. It's, it's almost like the problem, though, isn't really the problem. It's the empathy. It's what you're talking about. Yeah. If, the, if people were empathetic, they would say stuff more like, wow, I've never heard of that show, but tell me about what the show is like. You know, and then they could make an assumption about the class of talent that you're working with or the, the type of project. Like, I, I wrote on a show called Malfan Jazu, which was like a knockoff of SNL. But we did the full thing. We had, the, we had celebrity guests every week, table read, second table read, all the props, all everything. Crazy manic, six days a week, one day off, do it again, do it again, do it again. Where did it air? It was air on, on ITE. ITE and, uh, and uh, Xiaogu Wenhua, the, um, the big company that does Tokushou um, Dahui and all the big shows. So, but the point was, it was like, I, you know, was the comedy on that show better than SNL? I mean, probably not, but it's kind of, you know, it's really apples and oranges, hard to say. But like, I went through that experience as a writer and an actor and a cast member. Mm -hmm. And then to come back here, I'm like, I'm almost unsure in my own self. Like, I think that was valuable, but am I going to get that sort of validation from outside? Probably not. Okay, so here's the thing. I feel like that's too... That's a How should topic. I be thinking about this? Like, I'm, I'm as, just as confused when I came back. I wasn't mm. until society confused you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and so here's the thing. For me, as a 
global empathized person I had to be growing up. Yeah. I um I feel like there's two parts to this. One is that um, there's definitely value no yeah. matter what. Yeah. Just like opening diff- different businesses, even yeah. if you fail the first three businesses, that's your yeah. That's your capital. That's your yeah. experience. Yeah. But um or like just like you know governmental people if you people yeah. are like you know, the senators or whatever, or like even Joe Biden, for example. Yeah, know, yeah. Like, he has some experience before he became the president. Yeah. And that's all valuable. Mm-hmm. That's not, you know, not that you can't just put that aside, yeah. no matter what culture it is. However, how much does it translate? Like, so I feel like, like we talked about comedy and drama and everything, yeah. even the styles of acting is completely different. For yeah. example, in Ch- Chinese drama, it's like, yeah. Like, there's a lot of subtle things they yeah. don't say, but in America, I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, they're more direct. So even if it's a subtle close-up yeah. shot, the personality and the thing done and treated or executed yeah. uh, or reacted mm. are, are still different. And and that's because the audiences are different. So again, in a Chinese, like you know, if in Chinese thing, if you're acting this thing and then you know thought one, thought two, thought three goes through your head, but you're not saying it, and then you know it's, whatever, it's and then, then that's that scene is not. It's not like, oh, that's bad writing. He just said, okay, and then he left. Yeah. That wasn't what the Chinese audience saw. No. They um, saw the, the moment to moment to moment yeah. of thinking in the process. Yeah. It's almost like a lot of like, um, if you watch, it just reminds me of a funny joke, but I had a Chinese, um, a Chinese friend who moved to the States. He had an American girlfriend, and they loved watching comedy together. And he said that it was the biggest problem in his life that he did not get arrested development. He did not get why it was funny. And then, then when I thought about it, I was like, that's because all the timings on Arrested Development are anti-timings. It's all like the stuff where like, like somebody should say something, but nobody does. And then you move on. The awkward silences. Yes, the awkward silences. Yeah, yeah. But again, it's like, Situation and I thought about putting it through my head of like, how would that appear to most like, you know, Chinese viewers? And it's like, some of the stuff will work, some but, but like, <laughs> but like it, it's, uh, you're going to hit less than yeah. say like friends. Well, you know, like yeah. so here's, here's the thing: because sarcasm is a big thing in America. Yeah. Like musical theaters is mm. the epitome of sarcasm. Right? Yeah. It 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 derived from opera, mm. which is a it's like a parody of opera. That's yeah. how you know. Yeah. Musical started. That's a very British and American culture. Yeah. But in China or a lot of Asia or even Japan, if you see, mm. if you're, you know, if you're sar- super sarcastic, they're like. Oh. Mm. It's also it's also tricky. I found like the, the in because I would be in comedy clubs and I would hear tons of sarcasm on the stage yeah. when the Chinese were performing the Chinese. Yeah. But then in real life, I found it was like unless people knew me really well, they yeah. would not be sarcastic around me just because they're expecting like oh you're foreign you're not going to pick up on it. Right. It's not that it doesn't exist. It's just like it would be it's it's kind of already rude to be sarcastic. It would be like five times rude. To be sarcastic to a foreigner who would have no way of picking it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so because they're taking it seriously. Because they're taking it seriously, and so it's like, um, but that, but again, so a lot of times what I found like the difference between say the comedy styles, <laughs> and maybe it's like this with acting as well, is it's like the the tools in the toolkit are yeah. very similar. Yeah. You know, you're sort of, um, you know, you're, you know, the sort of logic that leads to comedy works everywhere, but then. Are you using, what techniques are you using to bring that out? Yeah. That will kind of like, you know, how many puns is too many puns? Mm-hmm. Like that's a cultural thing. Yep, like yep. it's not like there's like a number at which it becomes too many. 
and then when it becomes funny again for being too many. Yeah. Um, like these are all things that are that are you know subtle and based off of the audience. And so I guess the question here would then be: Is it possible to make a a perfect performance for both audiences, or do you have to leave one in order to hit one? Honestly, I think it can be, and this is I'm a strong advocate for this. Yeah. But I just I can't wait to find the perfect production company that will work with me on this. Just because, mm. for example, um, let's say we're doing an Asian American story mm. or like a cross-cultural story. It's yeah. a U.S. story with um, China or yeah. U.S. story with Taiwan. Doesn't, and and okay, so cross-cultural story. And let's say we're speaking in Chinese. Mm. No, we can't say that. But it's like, hey, what's up, man? How's it going? Hey. Yeah, yeah. So we can still, <laughs> depending on the yeah. language, depending on the culture, depending on the moment mm. and the tone, you can switch it to a person yeah. right away. But not a lot of people pick, pick it up yet, just like we're not the norm. Mm. So I, I'm a strong advocate. I can't wait to be a part of a project where not just the actor ourselves or even part of the writers or mm. even maybe one of the producers yeah. to do that, but also the Just the more team. people you get on, the better. Because yeah. it's like all these little things. It's like whether it's comedy, whether it's acting. I'm sure there's some producer somewhere who's sitting there who likes to do cross-cultural productions. Yeah. And it's like, here's where you find the good props. Yeah. Here's where you find like... Here's where you find the, the costumes that really feel like the things that the people in the middle are wearing. And I think the challenge is, is that there's this, um, I think there's this perception that that audience is not big enough to run the thing. Yeah. But, but, the, but that is making the assumption that only people in that audience will care. Yeah. Like, you know, if you have the, like, I found that like people are, you know, interested in the work that I do coming back in the intercultural stuff, even if they have no China background. Yeah. Just because if you, if you make good entertaining stuff yeah. or at least through your own personal force of will can attract the audience yeah. then they're there and then once they're there they're there to watch what you brought them to watch yeah and so i think there's a there's a lot of potential for future cross-cultural stuff like do you have any sort of like dream thing you'd like to do yeah. cross-culturally i would love to be a part of like you know even those projects like warrior or like mm. you know kung fu like but but or different but i, I see where everything's going yeah i still honestly and not to name names or whatever, yeah. but I, I still feel like that's the direction we need to go to the next level. Mm. You know, the authenticity and stuff yeah. like that. Because again, and, and it's, it's a constant struggle, even when I first came back, to see the Asians versus the Asian Americans, mm. and or even le levels of that. But honestly, I, w I would love to be, because we've lived in different cultures, and I was literally raised in America. So mm. we see the difference. And I know that, and I can't wait to find that team that can sell, like you said, yeah. The products, products or projects here, but mm. also make sure we really, really honor the authenticity mm. of also the locals. If we're that's what we're talking about. Mm. If you're talking about Asian Americans, fine. Mm. But if you're talking about actual real Asian stories, mm. if it's historic or non historical, please yeah. be authentic. You yeah. know, because this is this is that's like disrespectful. If I, it's not. I've been a little bit surprised coming back into you know moving to Hollywood and then realizing that a lot of people in Hollywood at that like that make the stuff don't recognize the difference between Asians and Asian Americans. They're, yeah. they're different, different cultures. Um, but of course, I'm totally the wrong person <laughs> to tell them this. Like, I've had some like awkward conversations where I get really jazzed about this because like, I know so many great Asian creators. And, um, and then people will be like, oh, like, well, there's so much interest in Asian content now. I'm like, well, there's a lot of interest in Asian American content, but like, I can't set up a show for like a top comedian from Asia here and get like anyone from the scene here to help me. Like, you know, because 
it's just a different, I mean, ultimately it comes down to where the money is made. If they are able to make the money in the Asian market, then they can do that. In China specifically, it's hard to make money in the Chinese market if you're coming from the outside. Yeah. So like, um, but beyond the, 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 um, the, the industry-ness of it, yeah. just sort of like as an, as an artist, um, going forward, like what, um, where do you think the cool places are in the future for like bilingual performers like you know i i'm back here i speak both languages i would love to be parts of those things where are you seeing any positive movement in, towards creating that sort of uh thing so i i can't wait to start finding some partners to create more mm. pro, pro you know projects mm. like you mentioned earlier we kind yeah. of have to create our own projects yeah um, because like even here, like Asian Americans do mm. own the majority of Asian mm. contents here. And I wish I get a chance to talk to these people and just literally, um, please just mm. honor the authenticity even more because mm. that's the only way we can open a completely yeah. huge market. Mm. It's a huge market. Yeah. Um, even this year, I was just talking to some producers, actually my friend who was, uh, one of the top producers mm. in Tencent mm. before Pinching Pictures and yeah. Even they, they were telling me like today's this this year's box office was even bigger than pre-COVID. Really? In China. So they're back. They're they're back. Yeah, but it's very theme based. Yeah. Contents, but still they are semi back, and the market will never go away. Yeah. The population is not going to just disappear. Well, it's also like the um the the thing is in in lots of parts of the world like you know. It, in America, in these big cities, we're very fortunate. Like, you could go to a movie, but also you could go to an axe-throwing bar or a vampire-themed whatever cocktail lounge. A lot of places in the world, in China, you got karaoke in the movies and eating out. Yeah. These are the big things that people do. So, like, there's a lot of people that go to the movies, and it's, like, it's a lot of fun because you don't have, like, a random axe-throwing bar in, like, the suburbs of a fourth-tier city in China. But those people want to see a good story. They want to yeah. see a good – they want to see something fun. And like, um, and it's it's also like that in lots of parts of America as well. Like you know, so the um, that huge market is there. I feel I feel conflicted because I don't want to give up on. It. I'm kind of similar situation. I have a lot of followers over in Asia. Um, you know, we're making this show in English and we're not playing to that audience right. like straight up. And I feel it's kind of a, a bit of a shame because it would be nice to be able at this time to be able to do more cross cultural stuff. But it's so hard to get those right projects together that's really going to hit both. Yeah. You know? Well, here's the thing. I feel like one of the things is also in our, in our disadvantage is because mm. the censorship, right? Yeah. You know, like, like yeah. So, sometimes. So, like, I mean, well, not, or, or I shouldn't say to use that word. I should say, like, it's because of um, different places use different platforms. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the internets are bifurcated. So the, yeah. the, the, the systems are, 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 are set up so that there's kind of a, a Chinese domestic internet and then there's the rest of the world. Yeah, let's cut, those, and, yeah. cut that word off. Well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> the, I don't know what that is. But, like the, but the, the, the challenge is um, it's almost like it's both technological and artistic. But let's say that you have the technological problems aside. Yeah. What are things like elements that you think would be in a good intercultural movie that you'd like to see more of? Oh gosh, I would love to hear see a do an underdog movie like an mm. underdog movie that has so many cultural elements, mm. and I don't want to be like segregation of like Asian American story guys. Look at me, Asian American story. Yeah, we need to have Asian. No, come on, like let's we can have a star that's Asian American story. Yes, but let's have a diversity in there. Mm. You know, let's show them that we can do diverse as well. Yeah. And I want to implement that because. Again, that's how I grew up. Like mm. I learned and I was thankful there were so many people that helped me along the way. 
um, from different cultures. Mm. I, I'm one of my best yeah. buddies, African American. He's an Academy member who did an animation. He did Benjamin Button, the face. Mm. He did Spider Man. He did wow. Transformers. He's an Academy member. Amazing, African American. And you know his back friends. That's that's mm-hmm. doing phenomenal. Well, actually, no, they're yeah. not doing phenomenal. Some of them are not doing phenomenal. But I don't care. They're my friends. You know, they're just super kind people. Yeah. And like, just, just every element. So my ideal goal is to do my maybe a TV show mm. that's like super diverse. And I'm really in, in in the process of like you know putting the to concepts and everything together. But um, I can't wait to find some some good producers to work on this together. Mm. And let's bridge this. Yeah. Let's, let's not disconnect this bridge yeah because i think that it's almost uh you know there there's a flip side that i always felt in china to everything being difficult when it comes to intercultural stuff because china has their own challenge like they the country's mostly han chinese it's hard it was always hard to sell anybody on the idea of the foreign character being a main character or even really a support character that would like have their own opinions involved but beyond that um it always felt like all of these challenges, the flip side to the challenge that the audience is so uh, thirsty for something better that if you can make something better, they really enjoy it. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, here's the thing, like, like, because we experienced similar things. You yeah. were there for nine years, I was there for eight and a half years. Mm. Like, what I learned actually, um, to the opposite of what people are saying about China is, is that living there and actually really trying to, try to understand the culture even from a foreign element, mm. because I, literally my morals, my I, I grew up in Santa Monica, so yeah. it was like as white as it can get. I'm sorry, mm. yeah. but um, but it was um, and I went to school in Santa Barbara, which is also yeah. as white as. But 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 the point is, um, after really understanding the culture in China, they are extreme capitalists, which means mm. they're extremely open-minded to trying different things, mm. being agile, be innovative. Yeah, as you see, like they're. Well, I saw a lot of people coming in the in the 2014, 15. They were coming from Hollywood to China because you could actually make a movie that didn't have a number on the end of it. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the like the like there were people. I had friends of mine that were you know film school at USC came to China and directed like they had those waiting the 45 oh, minute yeah, yeah, yeah. shorts. Uh-huh. But like if you're a director, like yeah, it's maybe not your dream project of your entire life to shoot a 45 minute straight to internet thing. But like they were actually making movies. Yeah. In, in a way that it felt like here um, things kind of had ossified. In fact, even being back now in the, in the States, I find a lot of my best creative energy in the internet creator community mm-hmm. because these are people who are like, hey, like we don't have that background of having gone to the film school and being taught what it's supposed to look like and here's how a project is created. They're like, let's throw up some light somewhere and use the slow-mo setting on the iPhone and like shoot this thing. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, that sort of creative energy is just like good. I yeah, just it's think good. it's like good to be around, you know. So the um, so I think that there's a lot of like um, there's a lot of cool stuff going forward. I'm gonna I think we're um, almost out of time, so I want to ask a couple questions um, going in, uh, just sort of the end, sort of quick takes. Give me whatever thirty seconds, one minute max on yeah. your take on the thing, and just quick answer. Um, first question: um, What's your favorite tea, and what would you what kind of tea do you like to drink? I, my my favorite is Gaoshan Wulong Cha, yeah. uh, Ali Shan da. Ali Shan. Especially from Ali Shan. Yeah. Because it's very pungent and it mm. smells great. Um, mm. It has a few aftertastes. It's kind of like the aroma. Nice. So it reminds me of like this really elegant diffusers, but with some local cultures in it. Yeah. It's so good. that's. It's a good stuff. Yeah, it's the good stuff. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Um, next little short question. 
Um, as somebody who lives between cultures, what advice would you give to people that want to be a person who lives between the cultures? Gosh, just know you go, guys. Know you go. Go in there and just immerse yourself. Mm. Like even when I was in Beijing, mm. he lived in Sanpur, mm. which mm. is like a very foreign district, right? Mm. Well, I lived in I lived in Gulo. I didn't live. Oh, Gulo. Oh, so that's great. Sanpur from the outside, too much. Ah, sure, not too much. Too much. So anyway, so like so. I've also lived in uh, my friend's place in the Hutong. Yeah, yeah. Hutong, just to experience that, like, which is Hutong for those of you who don't know what it is. Mm. It's basically uh, living in those ancient buildings that's mm. thousands of years old. These and, alleyways that were set up by the Mongols. So like, it's it's old. It's so old. It's like right next to the uh, Forbidden City. But so it's kind of like those those um ancient buildings yeah. but inside of course they have yeah. the actual bathrooms now so immersion so and then for people who let's say that they're they're not going to be able to travel a lot but if you want to engage more in other cultures without necessarily leaving your home country what's one thing that you can do uh follow me on tiktok we'll talk about that was smooth that was smooth oh so smooth no no hair on that oh it's so smooth I like it. But yeah, but why why, would they, hair, okay? why why would they follow you? <laughs> no, no, so so follow him on TikTok and or like other social media because I'm finally doing social media now. Yep. And follow him as well, Jesse. And because because we, we love talking about cultural stuff yep. and cultural elements. If you can't travel, travel with us on the phone. You yeah. Know? Like it's actually I mean like it sounds silly, but like I really think that the ability to look on your phone and see stuff from all around the world, but also people who lived around the world is totally new. Yeah. In the eighties, they didn't have this. Yeah. If you wanted to like, you know, if you wanted to learn about other cultures, you could look in like a, like a encyclopedia or whatever. Yeah. Like it was nuts. Um, continue on just sort of rapid fire questions. Um, uh, if you had to pick one, uh, where's the better food, China or the United States? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, <shucks. laughs> Honestly, there's a lot more different flavors and stimulus in China. Yeah, uh, so much more. But yeah. honestly, I, I I can never say favorite favorite for any culture because yeah. I love traveling. Yeah. But um, I do like my own version of Chinese food, mm. where I like implement other ingredients and fresh ingredients and everything. So you're beyond the boundaries. Uh, you still you have to whatever you want. Yes, off the menu, please. Off please order off the menu. Say their local languages. If yeah. I go to a Mexican restaurant, I want to bring my Mexican friends yeah. to order for me yeah. off the menu. Let me that's, try something that's new. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. <laughs> um, and then um, uh, last question is uh, just sort of, um, uh, trying to think if I had one more left. Uh, just sort of in the, uh, if you had a tea pet that's bunny, so what would you name the bunny? Uh... <laughs> tutu. 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 Well, very good. I'm gonna give you a tea pet as oh, a thank you for coming you so on the much. show. You got a little tutu over here with you. I got a tutu. Thank you very much. Uh, for those of you who have been watching, thank you again so much for watching a conversation. Hopefully it was interesting for you guys. As always, if you're new to the channel, remember I'm Jesse, Jesse's Tea House. I get all my teas directly from China, or in this case from Taiwan. Uh, we send them over to the States. We have them in the States, and if you order, we'll ship them to you immediately. Uh, we have the tea sets. Everything that you're seeing on here, including the tea kettle, is on the website, and that's the best way to support the channel and support tea culture in the States getting bigger is to just try teas. There's no secret about it. Um, get good tea, make it. I have info cards with all the teas that come along with in, uh, steep times and temperatures and stuff like that, make it easy. And then we have this great online community as well to be able to help people become tea people. So thank you again, Simon, so much for coming yeah, on. Thanks, man. Appreciate thanks it. Where can they find you if they want to find you? Yeah, so Simon too, that's spelled T, 
W U. Yep. So Simon Two on TikTok, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. Yes. Facebook has Simon Two Tu Shi Ming. I'm finally getting on social media again. Yeah. I, I stopped for a while because you know yeah, in Asia it's intense. Yeah. It's intense. It's like intense. people follow you. They know where you live. It's crazy. I mean, there have been some. Yeah, especially it's it's a it's a weird ride. It's like very high highs and very low lows. Um, oh, yeah. But I'd say I think it's just as a as a creator. Like I just find that like you know having people to actually talk to. You just make better stuff. Like you gotta, you gotta get out there. And you gotta do your own thing. Yeah, hundred percent. Very cool. Awesome. So thank you again so much for coming, and um, uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Bye bye. Bye.